Hi there, I am Dennis and this is Sheaf Valley, a show about Sheffield startups where I interview and conversate with founders from the Steel City and dive deeper into their entrepreneurial journey. Sheaf Valley was created to increase the connectedness between and the visibility of entrepreneurs, investors and startup support organizations in Sheffield. Today's episode is with Dojinder Singh, founder of Shreem. Jinder is a creative worker turned entrepreneur, having spent years producing and directing in the local theatre scene before she decided to start Shreem, where she is using the power of tech to enable collaboration and connection between young creative talent. But before we start, there are a couple of interesting events coming up in the next few weeks that I want to bring to your attention. First, I'm thrilled to announce the return of Startup Week in Sheffield. The world's biggest entrepreneur event in the world is back in Sheffield and we are celebrating 10 years of Startup Weekend in our city. This is why we're organizing an event you haven't witnessed before. So if you're looking to build a startup in 55 hours and want to be a part of a real celebration of entrepreneurship, get your tickets now. We're currently selling a limited batch of 10 10 pound tickets. The link is in the show's notes. Make the most out of this phenomenal offer as the regular tickets are priced at 40 quid. Then I want to invite you to the next startup meet of Sheffield that will feature Patrick Speedy, founder of Impart. As you know, Patrick was a guest on this podcast very recently and is now joining us on the meetup for Q&A. So even if you have listened to the episode with him, there is so much more to uncover from him and his story. So make sure to join us on March 22nd, 6pm at Sheffield Technology Parks. The tickets are free as always for the meetup and the link is in the show's notes. And third, there are two events happening this week which are worth going to. First, on Thursday we're hosting Startup Meetup Barnsley the second edition of the meetup in Barnsley DMC, the Digital Media Center, again at 6pm. The feedback from the first event was very positive, so we are hoping for the same outcome for this one. And then on Friday, Team SY is hosting Celebrating Women in Tech event at Sheffield Hallam University, starting in the morning at 9.30. This event will have everything, roundtables, panel speakers, successful investors and entrepreneurs addressing the crowd, and all of it is to celebrate female leadership and contribution to the tech sector in South Yorkshire. Links for both events are in the show's notes. And with that being said, I want to return your focus on my conversation with Jinder from Shreem. What was the transition from the creative field to entrepreneurship like? What do the creative talent in 2022 need to be successful? And where did the name Shreem come from? Learn the answers to these and all other questions in the following episode. Enjoy. I'm here today with Daljinder Singh, the founder of Shreem. Hi Jinder, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Great stuff. Well, Jinder, I really want to learn more about Shreem because since I found out about the company, it's really been on my radar and I'm quite curious uh, to see how, how are you empowering creative individuals. But before jumping into the business that you're currently working on, I want to learn more about you uh, mm-hmm. as a person and what led to you becoming an entrepreneur. So could you please introduce yourself and talk about your career prior to starting Shreem? Yeah, sure. So basically, my background is in the creative sector, largely in theatre. So I kind of went down quite a traditional route. I did drama in school, at GCSE and A-level and back then. And then I went on to drama school to study directing and theatre. And basically had a career in the theatre as a director and producer. I've worked across the UK. I, I lived in Glasgow for a good number of years and also London and I've worked all over the place until I finally came back to South Yorkshire a couple of years ago to work at a local theatre to me which is called Cast in Doncaster. If you haven't been do do uh, feel free to 
to uh, make a trip at some point. It's a wonderful space. And yes, that's my background, really. Directing plays, producing, supporting new talent, new writing, that kind of stuff. So I've always been in the creative industries myself. And I think that really gave me a good advantage when I decided to start Shreem. Just kind of working in the industry over a number of years that kind of I realised just how time consuming it was to, you know, find other talent and connect with other people and find others to collaborate and work with. It's usually very, very time consuming. It would take sometimes days and weeks to do that. And it was always in the back of my head, kind of, it would be great to have an online platform or something that would be available, which would make it extremely easy to find people to work with, connect with and collaborate with. So I'd been on my mind for a number of years. And then in 2019, I decided that I would do something about it. And I just decided to come and meet, come to Sheffield Tech Parks and meet with Tom Wolfenden, who runs the Cooper Project here and talk about my idea and see if I could get any support. Brilliant. And that gives me the answer to one question. Where mm. does your creative spark come from? So you, you've worked for, <laughs> in the industry, you've graduated drama. It makes sense. Now I'm really interested to tap into your business side because there are a lot of people that do producing and directing, which is producing especially, I would say, is the, is the business side of, mm. of a creative project. But mm-hmm. not every producer becomes an entrepreneur. So what, mm. what made you decide to go to see Tom and start Trim? I think it was the idea and realizing that it would be something that would be really valuable to people, not just to me, but also to other people across the sector. And not just one, when we talk about the creative industries, we're not just talking about one particular industry. There are uh, numerous sub industries in, in that and how this could be useful for everyone. So I don't think I went into it thinking I'm going to be an entrepreneur now. I think I just kind of thought, let me just see if this is an idea that we can create that can be supported and that can be of real use to people across the industries. It's a vast industry, you know, it's, it's very lucrative. It's got a huge number of workforce in, and, I, and obviously a massive amount of freelancers at work as well. That's really the backbone of the creative industries. So I knew that it would be a useful tool. I think it would be a useful service. And I just wanted to kind of create that really. I don't, I don't, I think the entrepreneurship almost happens after the idea, or at least it did for me anyway. Yeah, and I really like I really like how you said it actually that entrepreneurship came after the idea because there really is two ways to approach entrepreneurship, isn't it? One of one of the ways mm-hmm. is people that kind of grow up wanting to build something and wanting wanting to have that kind of entrepreneurship lifestyle, and then there's people like oh. you who you you were just so passionate about that pro- problem that you decided to form a business around it. Yes, exactly. I think in many ways. I think for me, the idea has to stand on its own. The entre- there's so many things to do with entrepreneurship that you have to, to kind of deal with. And a lot of those things come afterwards. But I think the idea has to stand by itself. And the idea has to be the thing. It has to be the conduit. And everything that comes around that you have to do anyway. Entrepreneurship definitely isn't as glamorous as people think, yeah. I don't think. <laughs> those are growing up thinking that, you know, one day I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I think that's a wonderful aspiration to have. But it's definitely not as glamorous as it looks. I think with any industry, any profession, it's 99% really hard work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we always see from entrepreneurs is really their successes. We, we barely, I mean, with social media, I guess we do see more of, of the struggles that entrepreneurs go through. But, you know, in medias, it's, it's much harder to find any information that wouldn't make you want to become an entrepreneur because it all seems really shiny and really interesting. But then when you... I mean, you, you definitely know much better than me the, the hours and hours that you need to put in before something shapes up. 
Yeah. Now, something that people don't don't necessarily necessarily expect from me having a podcast on startups is that I actually graduated mm-hmm. film and media production. Oh, cool. Uh, and one of my one of my career aspirations before I kind of decided to switch my focus onto startups and enterprise uh, it was producing. Mm-hmm. So let's let's have a hypothetical scenario, gender in which I decided to become a producer after I graduated uh, a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. How how could I use Shream to my advantage? I think Shream would allow you to come on board. You can create a profile, talk about your producing skills and the things that you have that make you would make you a really good producer. You could upload all of your um, information on there in terms of any credits that you already have or anything that you've worked on. And that could have been in the final year of your course, if that's what you did. Or it could be other work experience that you did during that time. Either either is valid. You could connect all of your social media so people can know where to find you. You can connect to your website if you have one. And then you can basically add in as many tags as possible to do with the skills you have. So as a producer, you know, timekeeping, being able to delegate everything that's to do with the skills you have and that you're interested in. So what kind of things would you be interested in producing? Is it a particular genre? So you can add all these things that make you really easy to find and then you could find people to collaborate with you can search for people that you're interested in working in maybe you're big you know you really want to kind of produce say animation so you can start to build a following build a network with those people and see what's out there connect with people people can ping you to be part of their projects if you're interested in certain project and they kind of look at your profile or look you know through the tags and our system of search are able to kind of approach you see when you're available with so many tools and features there and the aim here is that even as a producer may um, um, this isn't you know at all kind of not saying that you can only get x amount of work I think when you work in the creative industries unless you have a, a, a certain set contract it could be that a lot of the work is very freelance it's very self-employed And it could be that your skills mean that you can produce, say, film, but it could be really valuable in, say, music videos or live theatre or other kinds of disciplines as well. If you have the skill base, you could really diversify your ability to be employed, to earn money, to have a sustainable career. And I think that's really, really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. And that was actually one of the biggest struggles when I was when I was a film student was really finding these set of people to work with because mm-hmm. yes, clearly I had the people who were in the same course as I was in university. But yeah. I, honestly, I was struggling quite a lot to find peers amongst them uh, that are mm-hmm. willing to put the same level of effort. So being able to go out there in a, in a wider community of people that are making films would have been would have been a fantastic opportunity. Uh, yes. So everything until until now sounds great for Shreem. I just want to dive in more into to the business aspect of it. How how do you expect to commercialize Shreem? So what we did and what I wanted to do very early on is kind of create a really robust freemium, which goes far beyond what other people are doing at the moment, and then also put into place a number of subscriptions. So in terms of the business side of things, our business model is subscription. People will be able to access it. They want to make it accessible for people early on in their career. So they get quite a robust offer anyway, free of charge. If they need more and they need more uh, tools and services that we're designing that might be more bespoke, kind of, uh, you know, to help make life make life even easier, then they can join up to a subscription. We decided very early on uh, to make that price point very attractive and easy 
easy digestible <laughs> so to speak yep. so I think our, our first basic plan is just five pounds and for that you'll get a load of stuff to go with it but our freemium I really wanted to make sure that our freemium was good value and that was really doing something very important um, for people that were using it so it, it didn't become a barrier I'm very aware that economically sometimes wanting to work in the creative industries can be a barrier for certain people across society and certain groups it can be like that I you know, I was very, I was very lucky, I think, personally, when I graduated, I managed to kind of travel around quite a lot, spend time in some really great cities for years on end in some, in some cases, but I'm aware these days, especially now, that's very, very difficult ask to kind of say to somebody, go and stay and live in London for a couple of years, that, that might not be a reality. So we wanted to make sure that whatever we created was really accessible, it would be really useful, and still encouraged people to collaborate and connect with each other so that was really important i i understand and when you when you're talking about your customer base and the audience that you're trying to attract and on mm -hmm. the website you have mentioned the word next generation now i'm a stickler for for words used on, mm -hmm. on websites when i do my research because mm -hmm. i'm just genuinely curious to understand how do you define this next generation of creative talent like is there something particularly different between kind of the, if we can call it the old generation and the next generation? And if there is, what is it? I think the next generation of talent is two-pronged. The first prong is we were particularly targeting 18 to 25-year-olds. And okay. the next um, prong of that would be those that are very early on in their careers who might not be 25 or under. And the reason for that is we wanted to really support graduates and people that are coming out into a landscape which has always been a challenge, has always been difficult. But I think since the pandemic has made it even more difficult and we wanted to kind of make sure that there was a robust, you know, offer out there that would really support their careers and their, I guess, their ideas, their stories, the things that they want to achieve and make and create. So we wanted to do that. And those people are early on in, in their career and that could be anybody, you know, in terms of people that have been going for a long time. That are, And that includes me, by the way. I'm in no way... <laughs> Uh, an early stage of, of my career at all so but you know if this was something that I could be a part of I would love to join up to it if it was me as well so I would say it's open to everyone in that sense but we're specifically wanting to support those that are coming out now that perhaps don't have the opportunities and don't have the things and the infrastructure in place that perhaps somebody like I did when I first graduated yeah and this is going to get a bit a, a bit too philosophical, maybe, but you mm. already mentioned the fact that, for example, there was a bit of a a bit of a, a bit of a thought and an idea of art students and film students mm. going to you know going to London, going to Los Angeles, spending. You know, we, mm. we've we've all heard the stories about um, Sylvester Stallone who slept on mm. a on, at the station out, outside. He was homeless for for weeks before he submitted his script for Rocky and then he was selected and he was not homeless anymore and all these stories that glorify and they really turn into myths these successful mm -hmm. actors and they make it seem like in order to be a successful actor you need to yeah. you need to live miserably for for a number of years <laughs> which which really shouldn't be the case but the reality yeah. is that in a in a capitalistic society there are challenges in front in front of creative people. I, I faced them myself when I was when I was doing my mm -hmm. degree. I had to I had to be realistic about about my career aspirations. Do you think that these challenges exist currently in in the in the society that we live in and in the economic system that we live in for creative people? And if yes, what are those? And do you think that they're solvable on the business field, which 
companies like Shrim? I mean, this is pretty much a very mm-hmm. obvious question, what you're going to tell me, but, or do you think that it's something that should be solved on a systemic level? I think both things are true. I think the major challenges that exist in the creative industries as such and it doesn't matter whether you're film music theater animation games you know everything and everything in between art galleries artists is that a lot of these institutions you know they're almost it's interesting kind of having worked in tech now for a bit because i understand the one thing that is missing from the creative industries is that they lack fluidity and they lack agility you normally have the same people in charge of these institutions for years and years and years you have the same senior management team in place for years and years and years and to be honest i don't think it's sustainable i don't think it's the right model i think personally and a lot of people would disagree with this maybe or raise their eyebrows at this but i think people that are in charge of all these institutions all senior management should be told to leave after five years and a completely new you know um, set of people should come in on a regular basis i think that's the only way that you know that these things can be tackled at a systemic level because once an organization or a, a place becomes institutionalized it becomes very very difficult to solve the kind of challenges that, that exist you know so to speak i think on another level as well you know yeah sure you know, Sylvester Stallone, that, you know, and, and other people that have, you know, spoke about the struggle and then having to do a number of things before they made it. You know, these are, these are very rare stories. These are, you know, this is a lot of things that have to come into play. Luck, hard work, being at the right place at the right time. Sometimes it can be just a matter of minutes or hours, whether you miss out on something or not, yep. you know, and not everybody wants to throw their lot into uh, the lap of fate in that way so I think you know the idea that what Shreem wants to do is make sure people have sustainable careers you know those that make it big that's fantastic those that can have a really prolific career that's brilliant but you know you might really love what you do you might really love being a filmmaker you might really love being a musician um, but maybe you're not going to always get to be on tour maybe you're not always going to get to release a record or have your music out there so can we do something where people can really access your talent can access your skills and pay you as well you know kind of get that get that sustainability going along as well so I think that was the main focus that might have been quite a lot there (laughs) it's actually very interesting to hear from you now uh, having entered the tech sector that you think agility and fluidity are yeah. is, is something that is missing from the creative sector i'm actually interested to hear your opinion uh, what's missing from the what what's missing in the tech sector that exists in the creative sector currently what do you think i think the you know what what a creative person can bring to someone is ideas the ability to discuss the ability to debate in a really rounded way and the ability to connect all the dots in a, in a way that's really accessible. I think that's something the tech sector could also benefit from, you know, from the other end, is that if the creative sector needs to be more fluid, agile, and just get real and be more, you know, in tune with what needs to happen from a ground up level, then I think the tech sector could also benefit from being able to explore ideas in a more well-rounded, productive manner. Great. And you mentioned you mentioned Cooper Project uh, at the beginning of our conversation, and you mentioned Tom. So I just yeah. wanted to to dive a bit deeper into that. You're a member of the Cooper Project, yeah. or an ex-member, or are you still a member? I think I'm still a member. I think Tom's probably happy to get rid of a number of us, but we don't seem <laughs> to want to go anywhere. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if there's anything that speaks about uh, how good how how good the program is, it's yeah. startups not wanting to leave it. So sh- <laughs> shout out to Cooper Project and to Tom and Rose. So yeah, just talk mm-hmm. talk us about uh, the Cooper Project. I've had a n- number of a number of guests who've been on the Cooper Project as well. So m- my mm-hmm. audience kind of knows about it but it's just interesting to hear about the different experiences that different people with different business ideas has for, for example i know mm-hmm. that most most if not all of the businesses are part of the cooper project i'm not sure whether there's any other of them which is focused on the creative sector correct me if i'm wrong uh, i don't think so no yeah. i think it's just us yeah yeah, so if you could just um, unveil a little bit more about your work with Tom and Rose, and do you mm-hmm. do you find it different working on a on a creative tech business rather than all the diff- all the other businesses in the mm-hmm. in the cohort? And how do you even even how do you work with the other entrepreneurs and especially the ones mm-hmm. from the technical background? That's what I'm very interested in learning about. Sure. So so first of all, I kind of in 2019, later in 2019, is when I sent an email to Tom just saying I spoke a little bit about the idea and if it was possible to come into a chat. And that's a great thing for anybody listening that might think, oh, I have an idea that I'd like to talk to. Sometimes just sending off an email and asking someone if they're free for a quick chat or a cup of tea now that we can. You know, sometimes that's a, um, a really great way of getting your idea out there and having someone ask you questions. So I came into Sheffield, met up with Tom at the Sheffield Technology Parks, which are on Arundel Street. And he told me about the Cooper project, what it had to offer, which was space, advice, ability to network and he liked my idea at least he said he liked my idea you know invited me to join up which I did and it was just a really great opportunity at that point to kind of come into a space where other entrepreneurs were also we use a co-working space which is lovely at Sheffield Tech Parks it's you know it's really comfortable it's really warm and inviting and that might sound a bit of a strange thing to say but I think that's really important that you feel comfortable especially when you're starting out you haven't got a lot of people with you you know you know you might be a, I'm a sole founder so to have a kind of welcoming space I think really helps and then I joined and, and there were other people on the Cooper Project, some who may have participated in, in your podcast. But, you know, it was it was really great to meet other people, hear about their ideas, what they were doing. And what I found that was really valuable, the Cooper Project, is I think as a cohort, what it's really allowed a lot of early stage, you know, kind of entrepreneurs, a lot of founders, is to kind of be able to talk about their ideas with each other to be able to kind of talk through our problems. Sometimes somebody or myself or someone else would have a problem with something, you know, or have a roadblock in their mind about something. And you'd have three or four other fellow founders from the Coop Project be able to kind of rally around and help work through the problem. You know, so we do that a lot uh, with each other. And having that supportive network, I think, has been so problem. And that's what the Cooper Project has been really excellent at, is kind of allowing people that network it's not just a network, you know, because that sounds transactional, but it's not like that with the Cooper Project. A lot of the people on it are really invested in each other's businesses as well because we've kind of seen each other grow. We've seen each other start, you know, w- working on our ideas and have gone through journeys with them. So I think there's more an investment there. It's more personal. It's more, you know, it, it's more invested than just a general networking platform, I suppose. But yeah, it's, it's great. It's great to be a part of the Cooper Project in terms of working with other people. I think a little bit of what I said, I think what really works great with the project is that we all have different businesses. There's not really any businesses, I don't think, at the moment that overlap with each other. So everybody can really contribute a really different point of view. They can really contribute 
you know, different advice and kind of give you their insight and their experience as well. And I think that's what's been really, really great. And that's what's what Tom and Rose have been able to put together is something that just really works and that's really solid as well. Mentioned the transition that you had to go that you had to go through switching mm. from the creative sector and having been a producer and director turning mm. into an entrepreneur. Let's say that right now that this episode will be listened by current current students of you know drama students, film students, literature students who are aspiring to, to create their own business. Could you give them maybe maybe three points of advice or any anything that comes to your mind right now which you had to persevere through or which you find as a difficulty and uh, you could you could ease their way into entrepreneurship? It depends what type of business you're if you're an author and you want to sell books specifically or literature or you know or whatever that is then I think it's just research 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 how other people have done things research everything that has worked more importantly research everything that hasn't worked be very clear in your planning and it's you know what I'm, I'm on board with everybody in the creative sector that huffs and puffs when they have to sit down and plan anything <laughs> and write it anything and get into admin it's such a challenge sometimes for us you'll know as well sometimes it can be a bit of a drag content having to kind of you know sit and do planning on that level but it's really quite it's really important that you plan out the steps that you want to take be very clear what it is you're aiming to do and how you're going to do that what resources you need and you know what be go easy on yourself I think not everything has to be a big thing try and you know try and start off something quite manageable that's really easily achievable when you start off I think what some people try and do is too much. The first time they're starting to do something, they have all these ideas. And I'll be very, I'll be, you know, we have, a, I had a lot of ideas for Shreem. And what I just quickly did was understand that I needed to put some of these ahead of others and others would need to come under a pay subscription. And some of the other things could be done in a freemium subscription. So very clearly, I didn't try to do everything all at once. I just kind of, what I say is, you know, get the bread and butter in place get your foundation in place so you can add and build on that. Don't try and bite off more than you can chew. Start small and grow. That'll be more sustainable rather than trying to go really, really big and then be disappointed if not everything, you know, goes to plan. Yeah, I think that's a great advice. And I think that more people should really comprehend the idea that, yeah. starting, that starting small is the way to start really yeah. like that, that's, that's the natural way to start something nothing realistically the, the the start is always at a stage at which yeah. something is not developed that's the whole point of creating something new and so i think you're completely right and i hope more people uh, follow your advice yeah it's interesting because when people people always go oh look at these big businesses you know they they've made it they're so big they did all this you kind of go well actually look right back to where they started they weren't doing all of that. They had to get to that point. Amazon wasn't Amazon as we know it today. It was books at first in a garage, you know, kind of like it built its way up, you know, I mean, that's just one example, but there's so many others as well. If you look at any of your favorite brands or companies, you know, kind of where they started off is vastly different to where they are today and to where we know them to be today. So I think it's really important and not to have too much pressure on yourself. It's so stressful <laughs> uh, running, being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, founder, you know, whatever label you want to put on that. It's such a stressful thing sometimes. I, I, I'm kind of of the school of thought. Just, you know, don't kind of do anything that's going to have a detrimental effect on yourself and your mental health by going too big too soon. 
And speaking about that, where is Shreem currently? Uh, what stage are you at? And what is the plan for 2022? So we're currently finishing off a round of testing. We're going to be testing again our freemium model. We have a beta um, ready almost to go out. And we're looking at rolling that out across third years and postgraduates over the spring term. And that will be across educational establishments, colleges and universities in South Yorkshire and beyond. And then we will start to kind of open it up more and more. So we thought it'd be a good time to do that for people that are finishing up their third years. They can really use it to help them get ready for the big bad world of work. So yeah, we're hoping to roll out over the rest, over spring, gradually across the country. Towards the end of the year, we'll We'll probably introduce our first paid subscription for those people that perhaps need and want a little bit more. So it's a very big year for Shreem and we're very excited. We're very nervous. We've been doing a lot of testing on our features to make sure that they're functional and they work. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be an exciting year for Shreem, I think. That sounds very exciting. Jinder, yeah. would you want to move on to the five questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of each episode? Sure. Great stuff. We're starting with a book. What is one book ah. that you would recommend to founders, future founders, people that are excited about starting businesses? Oh, I don't know. Do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be very bad here and say that I haven't read any business books. Is that really bad? No, I wouldn't say so. so I'm not. I know a lot of people, even those that are on the Coop project, but all the people around kind of read a lot of business books and the things like the lean startups. People have given me that, but I've never read it all properly. That that might be a bad admission. I don't know, but I've never really kind of. Yeah, I, I tend to, this sounds really strange, but I, I don't tend to kind of idealize business people that much. I tend to kind of, I tend to really go in for historical figures, sports figures, and other kind, that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know how much, yeah. So I can't say that. I can't recommend a business book to anybody, I'm afraid. But my favorite book that I used to read a lot, um, sometimes once a year, was To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. And in Cold Blood by Truman Capote, and the reason that I like these two books, and you can you can have an hour, analogy for anything, is just the meticulous research, meticulous structure, and framework that was put in place. And that I think things like that I feed into my work. So it's not necessarily the ex-business person recommends you work in this way, A B C way. For me, it's kind of what has really made an impact on me in life my experiences and the things that I really enjoy and like, and how can I transfer that to business? Yeah, and you should be even more confident with, with that fact. Like reading, yeah. reading business books doesn't create an entrepreneur and no. being an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you're always reading business books or you're reading business books at all. No. And that's why yeah. the question is to recommend one book. It doesn't need to be a business one. And To Kill a Mockingbird is a sensational book. It, yeah. It's an all-time it's an all classic. It's uh, brilliant. Yeah. So it's a really good recommendation. And obviously, it's very different from the typical <laughs> set of books that I get as recommendation on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> I absolutely recommend it as well to, to any listener who is in the mood for a good fiction. Yeah, uh, definitely. And a good fiction is actually an absolute understatement, understatement for To Kill a Mockingbird. Like it's, a, it's mm. really an cl- all-time classic. So people read it. My next question is about the name Shreem. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know how did you come up with it and why did you choose exactly that one? So a lot of founders maybe who are listening will probably sympathize here. To get a to get a, a name, a domain that is available is really, really difficult. And it took a long time to find something that really worked. 
So I'm a big fan of mythology and female-centered power. So we looked, I looked everywhere, couldn't find anything. So one day I decided to kind of go back to the mythological roots. And I'm a really, I'm very interested in ancient Indian mythology and tantric, kind of ancient tantric mythology. And the culture has 10 different wisdom goddesses, um, tantric wisdom goddesses that each represent a different form of reality, life and philosophy. And a lot of the female goddesses in that tradition have the word shreem in their mantras. So I was looking at one particular goddess called Matangi, who is the tantric goddess of the arts, of song, of speech, of the of word. And that particular word was in her mantra. So I kind of thought it, it kind of fitted. It was something I was interested in. It's rooted in a, a philosophy that works for us in terms of the arts and creativity and and everything to do with that and it was nice and short and it had an energy behind it and I thought that would be really great so that's where it comes from. <laughs> I, I like it honestly and I do like the name Shreem I, yeah. and I didn't expect at all this, <laughs> this very very rich backstory. Uh, yeah, so I'd like yeah, I like things to mean something. I like things yes. to have thinking behind it. So I tend to kind of yeah, go back and it was just one of those days, as I have to say, it just you get fed up and you kind of go, Oh my god, it's gonna yeah. take forever to find a name that works. And I had given up. So just to distract myself, I decided to kind of read upon some really cool stuff. And yeah. it was just through that that I kind of thought, oh hang on a minute, I've, it's been staring me in my face all this yeah. time. <laughs> Yeah, inspirations can come li literally from anywhere. Yeah. The next question is about a place in Sheffield. What is one place in mm -hmm. our city that you would recommend for everyone to visit? Okay, there's so many places. Obviously, Sheffield is a great place. However, I would say if people are looking for somewhere to go and they want to give Sheffield Crucible a go, I say that. I'm a little bit biased here because obviously my background is in theatre originally and one of my first theatre jobs was at Sheffield Crucible so that is a bit of bias when I was thinking about it I thought you know what Sheffield theatres has some of the best complex of theatres in the UK very very lucky it's got three fantastic spaces and a great wide range of work and I think that experience of live performance of really connecting with the rest of the audience and having that shared experience is such a rare thing. So I would recommend that if anybody um, is up for it, then head over to your local theatre because it's it's a jewel. And my next question is with a philosophical tone. Now, if you had a chat with your 23-year-old self, if you had 15 minutes to spend with her, what would you tell her? <laughs> I thought we have a whole book. <laughs> kind of read this and start again. No. <laughs> um, um, I think I would say to her, go and live in another country for a while. I, I think that's one thing I would say, go and live in another country. I mean, I, I did live in Scotland particularly, but I would say get out of the UK and, and go and experience um, a different culture and work in a different environment. I think that's one of the things that I would say looking back, if I had to say one thing, but there's so many things I think I would say. When you look back, you kind of cringe, don't you? you kind of go, oh God, why did I do that? If I were, you know, I could have raised a number of things that I would. I think the main thing I would tell myself and other people in that age group is, you know, persevere. Perseverance is everything. I, I truly believe that 
perseverance will lead you to where you want to be keep going you know and don't dwell on things if something doesn't work it doesn't work that's not the end of the world it's not a personal thing it's not a you know a reflection on you if something doesn't work just get up dust yourself off and carry on which country would you recommend to yourself then Oh gosh, I don't know. It's fantasy, isn't it? I think at one point I fantasy. I kind of I really wanted to live in Spain and Italy for a while. I never did it. I should have. Then I kind of thought it'd be great to go and live in New York. Yeah, really quite. Oh god, it'd be great to go somewhere where there's just a beach. Maybe yeah. go and stay somewhere, but go to Bali or somewhere um, and work from there. I think that's more of a re- reality now that you know the kind of digital nomad. Yes. Um, way of working but I really love Europe I've had traveled a fair bit around Europe but I kind of it was always in the back of my mind thinking you should just pack your bags and go and live somewhere else for like a year or maybe two years and just kind of you know immerse yourself I really love Berlin I think that's a great place as well so yeah that's what I would say all of you listening it's never too late you know try out (laughs) go and try somewhere else for a while sometimes absolutely and now Jinder coming to the last question for today what is your big, hairy, and audacious goal for Shreem? Ooh, right. Is I think the big goal is for it to be a really uh, wide international brand that is available in all countries and that this is a place people come to to connect creatively. That's a, a great example of a <laughs> big, hairy, and audacious goal and a great it's way very to... Big. Absolutely. Great way to end uh, our conversation. Thank you so much for your time, Jinder. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed this transparent and productive conversation with Jinder, and it's just very exciting that such startup is growing in Sheffield. The city has tons of independent young creative talent that could hugely benefit from more collaboration, and being in the center of this collaboration would be the winning recipe for Shreem. That is the episode for today. Please subscribe to She Value wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify, Apple, or any other platform. Also follow me on Twitter or connect with my personal account on LinkedIn to make sure you don't miss the release of an episode. I am Dennis, wishing you a great day, and until next time.